0: It's been a lot of fun the past few weeks. um, Here at Ethos, if you've been with us, you know, two weeks ago was Easter and it was, man, so much fun. So many new people. Uh, I don't know if you could tell it or not, maybe it was just the donuts, but there was just like this joy in the room. Like people were excited to be here. Ten days ago, we, we gathered here on a Wednesday night and we kind of hosted this big night of prayer and worship. And it was so fun just seeing people scattered all over the room, just calling on the name of God, just opening up and praising. Uh, last Sunday, we canceled all of our worship gatherings and instead we went and served all over our city. And it was just so much fun to, to be a part of it, to see you guys uh, kind of all over the city last week and, and, and this whole season for us. The past two weeks and the next two weeks that are coming up on the horizon, they are all about us um, living into a different life, about you and I becoming people who live lives in the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, people who live in the power uh, of Jesus. So we talked about this two weeks ago, and on Easter Sunday, it's this great declaration, this great moment where Jesus Christ came out of death. And the question that you and I are going to be wrestling with today is, okay, so since that is true, what's next for us? You know, what do we do when the the hype of Easter, what do we do when the joy of serving others begins to lose its luster a bit? What's next for us? Do we just coast? How do we keep the pedal down? How do we keep coming before God and say, God, with our hands open, we want more. We more, We want more, God. We want more, God. We want more, God. We want more, God. We want more of you, God. Yesterday, we had a kind of a fun day as a family. Went to one of Finley's friends. Finley's my little girl. She's three. Um, we went to one of her little friend's birthday parties. And man, they had amazing food at this birthday party. Chick-fil-A nuggets, um, donuts from Ellie's. Have you guys had Ellie's donuts in Franklin? They're amazing. Go try them. As soon as we get done today, go try them. They're incredible. And, and, and I was thinking about that. We had this, some incredible food yesterday, but I would never go, okay, I ate yesterday. So that's good for the next two or three weeks. Like... I had an incredible meal, so I don't have to eat for the next few weeks. And yet I was thinking about how so often with God we have these these incredible moments, these incredible encounters, these these Easter moments where our friend that we've been praying for finally comes with us. Or we go in our city and we serve and we meet a family or we meet a man or a woman that that just down and out in life and our heart goes out to them. And there's something about our spirit that when we have these incredible moments with God, we go, okay, now I can just kind of coast. And I think God has more for us. And so our question that we're coming to to God is, God, how can we keep walking into deeper places with you? How can we not just coast? How can we not just settle? How can we not just be content? Because we believe that you are who you say you are. We want more of you. So this morning we'll be talking about this idea of, of what it looks like. What's next for us? And I want to suggest two things. What's next for us? We we fix our eyes on Jesus and we follow in his ways. That we fix our eyes on Jesus and we follow in his ways. I love the story that we're going to be in this morning in John 13. We're going to spend the first portion of our time just fixing our eyes on Jesus and the second part of our time just talking about what it looks like to follow in his ways. And so we're going to kind of walk through this text verse by verse. And I want you to notice two things as we fix our eyes on Jesus. I want you to notice this. I want you to notice what he knows And what he does. What he knows and what he does. And so let's start in verse 1, John chapter 13. I'm not going to answer every question. We're not going to go into detail in all of this. But I do want to point out some things. John chapter 13, verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave the world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Some of your translations might say he showed them the full extent of his love or your translation might say he showed them the purpose of his love. And in the original language, I love it. It means the end goal of his love. Look at Jesus. Look at the devotion that he has to his own. Let's keep going in verse two. It says that the evening meal is in progress. The devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father, listen to this word, I love this. He knew that the father had put all things under his power that he had come from God, that he was returning to God. So he got out from the meal. Jesus took off his outer clothing and he wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Now, the obvious thing that I want to point out is that, that none of you guys have ever invited me and my family over to dinner. And in the middle of like passing around the poppy sea chicken, like you got down from the table and started washing our feet. Like, I've never done this to you at, at our house. Like there, there's something about this story that we read and we go, that does not happen really in our culture. Maybe you've had like a, a once in a lifetime moment where you did this at your wedding or you saw this. But, but this isn't typical like for us to do this. But in their culture, this was customary. The youngest, the lowliest would get down from the table and they would wash everyone's feet upon arrival before he even started eating. I want you to notice this, want us to notice this, that that no one took the initiative to wash anyone else's feet. That no one jumps at the opportunity. We see this in verse 1, we see this in verse 3. I tried to point it out. It says that, that Jesus knew, I think that word is important, He knew. It says in, in verse 1 that he knew the hour had come. It says in, in verse 3 that he knew that the Father had put all things under him, that he had come from God, that he was going back to the Father. And I want you to see this, that there was just this certainty in the mind of Jesus. What are some things that you know just right now, deep in your spirit? What are some things that you're certain of? How do you know it? You know, one of the things that I know is I, I'm just, I love my wife and my kids. I love being with him. I look forward to, to after work on Monday, going home and spending time with him. I love the weekends, getting to play in the yard and chase the kids around the, the house. I, I love my kids. It's something that I know. What am I certain of? I, I know that I love this church. I come alive when I see you guys out in public. Like, saw Ellen. Or I saw Ella and Aaron. It's a combination of a family that is here at Ethos. No, uh, um, Aaron and Ella at Whole Foods this week. And the place is way too expensive. I don't know why people pay $13 for a plate lunch. Anyways, we'll talk about that later maybe. But I see them and I just come alive going, man. I love this church. I love Sunday mornings. There's something about my spirit when I, I wake up and I know that I'm going to see you. That, that I know I'm going to see you, Lincoln. I know I'm gonna see you, Aaron. There's there's something about my spirit that just rejoices knowing I come into this place and getting to see you. And I I love what it tells us about Jesus. It says that, that he knew the Father had put all things under him. He knew that he would come from God, that he was returning to God. I'll say it like this: Jesus knew the promises of the Father. Jesus knows the power of the Father. He knows the position that he holds with the Father. He knows the Father. He knows what the father is like. Think about this in this in your context. Like who do you trust in this world more than anyone? Colin Father ask you, who, who do you trust more than anyone in this world? And why do you trust him? Burton, who do you trust more than anyone in this world? Riley, who do you trust? Jill, who do you trust? Austin, who do you trust? Jeremy, who do you trust? Gentry, who do you trust? We trust the people that we know. Jesus knows the Father. There's this certainty, there's this confidence in the Father's ability to keep his promises, to display his power, to secure his position. And I want you to notice what Jesus does with what he knows. Jesus washes his disciples' feet. He takes the place that none of them were willing to take. He does the work that none of them were willing to do. I don't know how familiar you are with Jesus. I encourage you to go and just to read through the Bible, especially starting in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, and just read about his life, the things that you see him doing. You see him walking on water. You literally see him in Luke chapter 7 and 8 raise two different children from the dead. That blind people come to Jesus, and they leave seeing. And, and Jesus, this powerful This is different, this man that is unlike anyone else that has ever lived, will ever live. I love this picture that we get of him him in John 13 that that he puts his fork down and he takes the napkin out of his lap and he goes to the bathroom and he gets a towel and he kneels down at his disciples' feet and he begins to wash them. The dirty feet, the, the blistered feet, the bloodied feet. I love this picture that that Jesus cleans them and he dries them with the very towel that's wrapped around his body. Verse six. He came to Simon Peter who asked Jesus, Lord, are you gonna wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who've had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean. They're not every one of you. And I love this picture. I can just picture Jesus grinning. Maybe he wasn't grinning at all, but I can just picture him grinning and nodding, nodding his head at Peter. Like, But I love Peter's zeal. I love his desire to be a part of whatever Jesus is doing. Verse 12, when Jesus had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. It's a very meaningful verse. When he finished his work, he put back on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. This is the word of God from John 13. So what do we do in the joy of Easter celebration? What do we do when the appeal of serving others wears off? We fix our eyes on Jesus. We fix our eyes on Jesus. We fix our eyes on Jesus and we follow him in his, all his ways. We follow him in all of his ways. And so I want us to think about this as we, we fix our eyes on Jesus, what does it look like for us to follow in his ways? I want us to think about three things, what we know, what he does for us, and what we do. What we know, what he does for us, and what we do. And so our, our minds are incredibly powerful things. That what we believe deep in here, deep in here, it drastically affects the way that we live. And I wonder if we come in this place, if we have the same confidence in the Father that Jesus had. Like, do we walk in this place with the same confidence in his promises and in his power and in the position that we have with God? And so you open the scriptures and, and maybe in your quiet time, maybe before you go to bed, you'll read a verse like this. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 15 where it says, or 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5 where it says that Christ is in you. And for those of us who are Christians, when we read that, do we actually believe that? that Christ is in us. We read Ephesians verse 1 verse 14 Ephesians 1 verse 14 where Paul says this that the spirit is a deposit that he lives inside of us he is guaranteeing our inheritance. And do we believe that? For those of us who are Christians, we come in here and so often we doubt if we even have the holy spirit, right? We mess up. We don't seem to be full of joy or full of love when we start asking questions like, do we have the Holy Spirit? And Paul looks at it and says, if you're in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. Do we know this? Romans chapter 6, where Paul says, if you've been united with Christ in a death like his, you will also certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. And do we believe that? Do we trust in the power of resurrection? Are we still fearful of death? Or Romans chapter eight, where Paul says, we are no longer slaves. We are no longer sinners. We are sons and daughters of the most high God. Do we really know that? How do we know this? It's not the good things that we've done. It's not the the bad things that we've not done. It's his second idea. It's, It's what he's done for us. I love verse eight, where, where Jesus says, unless I wash you, unless I wash you. You know, there's a point as uh, when, when our kids, and when I see my, 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 my buddies from college, this little girl in the back, You know, there's, there's a point with our kids that, that they could do absolutely nothing by themselves. Can't feed themselves, can't change their own diaper, can't bathe themselves. They are worthless for a long time. <laughs> They're cute, but they're worthless. But then something happens. As they start maturing, they they no longer need mom and dad to do everything for them. And I was thinking about what Jesus does for us, that that I think what he's wanting us to see in John 13 is so much more than just a physical foot washing of the story that happened 2,000 years ago. This verse in 1 John chapter three, verse five, where it says that he appeared, that he might take away our sins. And what hit me is that, that life with God, that, that if, if we are ever gonna grow up in Jesus, that, that our life with God has to start in this place where he washes us. That there is no growing up in God if, if we don't get this right, if this doesn't happen that there is no fruit that is born if it's, if it's never planted in the ground, that, that you and I, we cannot, we will not grow in Christ unless we get this, unless it grabs a hold of our heart, unless it changes us, unless Christ washes us. Here's what's so beautiful, that Jesus, in his deep, and his real love for us, if anyone ever tells you anything else, If anyone ever tells you something contrary to to the fact that you are loved by Jesus Christ, don't listen to them. In his love for us, in his deep, unchanging love for us, he showed us the full extent of his love. He showed us the end goal of his love when he came to take away our sins. That he took the metaphorical towel And he stooped down and he took away all of our mess, all of our badness, all of our past, all the things that are hidden, that we're ashamed of, the things that we're embarrassed to talk about. He took all of it on himself. And he died for it. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. And he let it kill him so it wouldn't kill us. You know, I've heard this so often that people talk about religion being this way of of people making sense of life and surrounding as a way just to kind of essentially get through life and i just want to say this that, that christianity is not a coping mechanism that christianity is not something that that we have created that to to compartmentalize and and lock away and ignore and keep hidden in the closet all the bad things we've done. It's not this thing that, we, that we've created so that, that we can overlook and just get past all the shameful things that we've done. No, the reality is the Bible teaches is that Jesus Christ created us. He created each of us and he knows us. He knows the shameful things that we've done and he doesn't tell us to fix ourselves and he doesn't tell us to try harder and just cope and he doesn't tell us just to forget all the things that we've done. No, he tells us that unless I wash you, unless I do for you what you cannot do for yourself, you have no part with me. And I love this about Jesus, that he knows each of our past and the great pain that comes when we think about the people that we were, the, th- the things that we've done. And he doesn't just wanna forgive us, he wants to heal us and free us and cleanse us. I'm convinced that one of the biggest keys for unlocking our church to, here at Marathon specifically to really follow Jesus, it's not that we need to be given more passion, better sermons, sing better songs, I think the key for us is that we need to receive more and deeper forgiveness. Because when you and I understand who Christ is and what he's done for us, everything grows, everything happens from that place. I was having a conversation with some of my friends earlier this week. And it's just been a really kind of meaningful week. I'd love to kind of tell you about it over coffee or coffee sometime in a little bit more intimate setting if you want to hear about that i'd love to tell you just come up and find me afterwards but i was talking to some friends and uh, one of my buddies man god was just breaking his heart on wednesday mornings our, our staff from eight to nine we just kind of get on our knees and we start we pray for our church and we pray for each other we confess sin and we just receive things that god has for us and and on wednesday one of my friends was just sitting in the floor and he was just weeping just crying Everyone else leaves and me and another one of my buddies, we just go over and we sit next to him. And it was just crazy how how he he looks at me and he says, Brandon, I'm so, he said, I'm embarrassed to talk about some of the things that I've done in my past. I'm ashamed of the the, the things that I've done. And and I'm just sitting there going, yeah, I I know what you mean. And then he just starts confessing some of the, the deepest and darkest sins that no one else on the planet knows outside of his wife. And then one of my other friends, he, he works up the courage because he hears my friend sh- sharing these shameful things and he starts confessing. He starts going, well, well, that's the things that, that you're saying. These are some of the things from my past. And we sat there and for an hour, we're, just, we're, we're, we're sharing the, the things that we've been so scared of anyone else finding out about. And there was something that's so meaningful happened in that moment. When you come out of hiding, I realized in that moment, that, that in this season, this past month for me, has just kind of been this incredible healing for me, where, where God's just kind of been unearthing some of the things in my life, in my heart, and my past. And I've noticed, man, that my affection, my love for Jesus, has multiplied. My desire to to be like him, to serve like him, to to want him has has skyrocketed. And it hasn't started because I've tried harder or read more, prayed better prayers. It's, It's come about because I've started to realize in the deep places of my heart what Christ has done for Brandon, the sinner, now made a saint. And here's the thing. When, when you and I, when, when we really know this Jesus, when, when he is the, the, the king of our church and not just of our personal lives, when, when he is the center of our church, when we know him like he knew the Father, when we think about the things that we've done and that his response was to leave heaven, to be nailed to a cross and to rise three days later to forgive us and to free us, man, when we let our hearts and our minds go there, a fire is started in us a passion is born in us, a person is given to us, the Holy Spirit, that teaches us to love and to follow Jesus. And you'll never get there by yourself. This is the beauty of what Jesus has done. He hasn't just come to wash us but to give us what we need. What we think, what he does for us and I love this last thing that we see in John 13 is, is what will we do with that? so what we know is who Christ is and, and 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 what he has done for us is that he has come to to forgive us and to free us but what will we do with this in verse 13, 15 he says this I've set you an example so that you will do as I've done for you Guys, this is what it means to follow Jesus I think for a lot of us, and I've been here a lot of my life, I'll probably fall back into this in some season. I know that I will. For a lot of us, though, we we claim to be following Jesus. We we claim to be Christians. We we claim to to, to be all about Jesus, and yet the reality is that for a lot of us, all we we ever do is is we come on a Sunday for an hour, an hour and a half, and we sit in a seat. The rest of our lives, the rest of our week is all about us. And I don't say that to shame us, unless that shame leads us to repentance. I say this because, man, it would be a tragedy for the enemy to convince us that we're following Jesus when really all we're doing is sitting in a seat. A life of following Jesus is marked by actually following him. And how does he tell us to follow him in John 13? He tells us to serve each other. And I think it goes beyond just us serving each other. Could you imagine the tragedy if the 12 disciples would have heard Jesus say this? And for the rest of their lives, they only would have served the, the, each other that were in that room. They never served anyone else. I think so often we, we kind of create these two different camps that, that we, we, we serve our families and our house churches and our people really well. And we neglect serving the rest of the world or we serve the world really well and we neglect the ones that are in our very homes and in, in front of our very eyes. And I think what Jesus is inviting us into is to understand that we are called to serve those we're around the most, our friends and our families and our house church and how easy it is to forget this. Several months ago, our church, we, um, our staff, we got kicked out of the office space that we were in. And so uh, there's this company, there's this guy in our church, he owns a company, and he opened up a part of his office to our entire staff. And so and we were just kind of working out of their office space. It was a great setup. And I would come in on every Sunday morning, just kind of pray, look over my notes. And there was this one Sunday morning, I was the only one in the office. And I walk in and I noticed that in their kitchen sink was a, a bunch of dishes. And so I'm like, I'm going to do their dishes for them. Like, I'm gonna serve them in this way. So I'm washing their dishes, and I kid you not, you've, I know you've had these moments. I'm going, man, I'm such a servant. Like these people are, <laughs> these people are so lucky to have me, like in their office. Like I bet they're gonna get on the camera and and see who cleaned the dishes, and they're just gonna like pat me on the back all week and tell me, like you you know you've had those moments where maybe not, maybe it's just me. Anyways. <laughs> But as I'm thinking so highly of myself, washing the dishes, I, I think it was God. Uh, I, I think he was, was kind of saying this, hey, Brandon, remember when you left the house this morning? I'm like, yeah, I remember that. I, uh, do you remember when you walked through your kitchen? Yeah, I remember that. Do you remember seeing all those dishes in your own sink? Yeah, yeah I remember that. Uh, do you remember when you consciously made the choice to, to let your wife do the dishes instead of staying here a few more minutes and doing them? And I'm like, dang it. And our tendency is... To serve like the world and to neglect those so often in front of us. I think he's inviting us to to serve in the the big ways and to serve in the small. Think about one of my friends, his name's Bob. Every morning he makes coffee for his wife. And you're like, that's not a big deal. Think about doing that for 30 years. 30 years consciously every day waking up and choosing to serve think about our house shirts the house shirts at court and I and John and Megan got to lead a couple years ago and just this really special group of people and I remember there were a, a couple in our house church and, and both of their dads had passed away within a year of each other and our house church decided that we wanted to do something. So, you know, my wife's so great about this, kind of lines up some, some food for, for them. And, and we decided that we wanted to do something else besides just give them food. And so we thought, how can we do something meaningful for them? So our whole house church comes together and we buy them this, this beautiful tree so they can plant in their yard so that, that every spring when, when things start to blossom, they can be reminded that, that they are so loved and they can be reminded of their dad. And, and I think so often that, that when we think about serving, we think about what we did last week. And I think Jesus is inviting us to serve well those in front of us. Those that you're doing life with week in and week out right now. But I also think he's not inviting us just to be limited to that. I think it goes beyond just taking care of our people. I love what he says in verse 14. He says, you also should wash one another's feet. And that word wash, literally in the, in the Greek, in the original language, it means to Keep washing. Guys, think about what we experienced last week for those of you guys that got to serve and serve our city. Not all of you were here. Not all of you were able to serve, and that's okay. But for those of you who did, wasn't it fun? And I kept thinking this week, man, let's not let the only time we serve be on weeks like last week. That what does it look like for wherever you served? to make that a part of of, of your life, to make make it a part of of my life. And so some of you, I love what Adam was talking about. Some of you guys went and you served at the mission and and what if you didn't wait until next April to connect with some of the men that live over there? What if you and your roommates, you and your, your friend, what if you and your house church, once a week before work, before class, decided to go and serve breakfast and just to get to know some of the men that live up there, get to know their stories. Some of you guys served at Watkins Park over here. Some of you served over in Edge Hill. And what did you notice last week? I met this really amazing man last week, a guy that lives over in the neighborhood. and um, He stopped by and he said, hey, I, I saw you guys out um, doing something. today. What's going on? I just kind of told him about our church and kind of told him about what we were doing. And he said, man, I'm so thankful for you guys. He said, so many of these kids that live over here, he said, they, they wake up and, and they leave in the morning and, and he said, they're, they're heroes and the people they look up to are the, the drug dealers in our city. He said, and they, 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 they set their eyes on these people and that's who they want to become. And he said, I'm so thankful for, for your church that would, would just come and play with these kids and, and get in their lives and develop relationships with them. And he looked at them and he said, keep doing it. I go, what does it look like for us to to join Rachel and Deb and Zach on Sunday afternoons? Every Sunday they play with these kids in the neighborhood. Every Saturday over in Edge Hill, Jordan and Bailey and a group of other people, they play with the kids that live in that neighborhood. Let me just expand our imagination a little bit. I think that what this could look like, you know, at that park there are basketball goals. For those of you who love to play basketball, take your game to the to the park over there. Play with those kids. Get to know them. I think about Ryan and Paloma, and it's so cool. A family here at at Ethos, and I remember a couple months ago uh, on a beautiful day, I'm like, hey, what are you guys doing today? It was right after church. I said, hey, we're gonna just go have a picnic in in the park. How amazing, like. Pack your lunch. You can meet people who are just out and about. Or what does it look like for, for those of you who enjoy walking or running to, to right after work or right after you get out of class to, to come to this neighborhood to talk to the people that you meet? Or I think about Nicole. One of the things that, that she does as a part of her, her job, she works at this amazing ministry called Preston Taylor Ministries. And, and what they do is they disciple kids in this neighborhood that are in high school. She came to me and she said, Brandon, we need like 20 more people that can just commit to on Monday night from 6 to 7.30 just discipling some of these kids. And some of you are going, man, I, I want to serve. And this isn't an, a very real opportunity, a very real need that we need. She's going to be in the back at the respond band and we get done. If you want to join this, please do. What does it look like to make a, a habit of picking up trash in, these, trash in East Nashville? and talking to your neighbors, and praying, what if, what if, what if? Guys, we don't serve to be noticed, to be appreciated. We don't serve to get something in return. No, we we serve because it's delightful to become like Jesus. We serve because we realize what's been done for us. We want to give the rest of our lives to serving. Here's what I want to invite us to do, in just a minute we're going to take communion. Some of you are here this morning and you've never been washed by Jesus. That You don't know Him. You've never experienced forgiveness and healing and grace. Some of you come here this morning and you go, man, I, I want God. I want Him to do for me what I can't do for myself. There are going to be some of us in the back at the respond banner. If you want prayer, if you want someone just to listen to you or take you to coffee or to lunch, me and Andrew, me, there are several other men and women on our team that would love to just take you out, hear your story, help, however we can. If you want to know Jesus, just a minute when we stand and take communion, please come to the back. For some of you, you come here today and you realize that although you're a believer in Jesus, there is just this huge gap between your life and that of Jesus' life, that you're lacking a desire to love him and serve him. And I just invite you as we take communion, as you get the bread and the cup and you come back to your seat, to just share that with someone around you, to share that with someone that you trust, someone that you, you love, and just be honest with him and pray together you don't have anyone to pray with you want someone to pray with you come to the back we'd love to pray for you for the rest of us as we take communion I want to invite us to do two things and this is going to be a little uncomfortable for for maybe all of us I don't know but we're going to I'm going to invite you to do it anyway as you get the bread as you get the cup to just come back to your seat and the person that's sitting beside you just to ask them how can I serve you this week like what do you need right now And I encourage you to to, to share, to to be open, to, to, to really tell what you need. For some of you, it's going to be prayer. For some of you, it's just going to be someone to talk to. For some of you, it's going to be a friend. For some of you, it's going to be you need help with groceries this week. And I just encourage you to make a meaningful moment out of this communion. And because Christ has cleansed you, do something about that need. That's what we're going to do together. And then as we leave, I just want to invite us this week. To every morning, I invite you to write this down, just to pray and to ask God, God, would you open my eyes to see, to let my heart be willing to serve today? I had a really mi- uh, meaningful conversation with Lowe this week, and there's just this amazing passage in Isaiah chapter 58, where, where God looks at his people, he looks at us, and he says, man, you want to know how to serve? Like, Feed the hungry. And those that don't have a place to live, make sure that they have shelter. And if you have encounter people that don't have clothes, give them clothes. And what he is saying there to his people is as you encounter people that have needs, you be the one that meet them. And I can only imagine that That as you and I, as we don't just talk about, and I'm so convinced that we're supposed to tell people about Jesus. We're supposed to tell people about the the fact that he alone can wash and satisfy. But I'm also convinced that if you and I will, will do a better job of just serving and washing people's feet, that those who don't know Jesus will see something different about us. The same way that Jesus stood out in John 13, we will stand out in our city. A city that is all about me, that's all about making our name, building up our, you know, our, our world as, as the world sees a bunch of Christians actually following Jesus, committed to serving and loving. What if, what if, what if? Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you for these men and these women, these children. They tell us in Isaiah 55 that your, your word does not return void. It accomplishes what you desire. God, I pray that in this place that that will be so. Pray for any um, deception, any lie that the enemy is speaking that we've been believing. And I pray that in the name of Jesus that those will be dismissed and forgotten, that every chain will be broken. Pray that in this place, God, there's forgiveness and healing. And I pray that in this place, God, people come to know you this morning. God, give us courage to actually share as we take communion, as we remember you. You're such a good father, a good savior. We love you. Everything we do is for your glory. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.